feel like preaching, honestly. <laughs> Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for, you are holy. There is no one beside you. All of your works declare your name. All your works praise you. Even us, God, these little works you made humans, we praise you. We give you the honor and the glory that's due to your name. Please now, Lord, through this message, would you strengthen us? Would you feed us? We are the sheep and you are the shepherd. We all need your truth. Bread of life, sustain us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I really kind of think we're coming up on the end of time, of this world, and I see this great falling away from the church. Many churches aren't full anymore. Many churches kind of, especially my generation, they're saying that it's possible it's one of the least churched generations ever. And when I think about that, I think that part of the reason is the generation doesn't see just how relevant it is. They don't realize Jesus is the source of eternal salvation. Did you know that there was a great turning away during the ministry of Jesus himself while he was there? It's written, at that point, many stopped following him. Oh. And what he had to say was about communion, about how he's giving the world his flesh to eat. And, and then people were like, okay, we're, we're out of here. They stopped seeing the relevant link. And I think in this world that we live in, there's a lot of people who maybe don't even come to church because they don't see the relevance. But Peter looks to Jesus after this many people falling away, and Jesus looks to Peter and says, are you going to leave too? And Peter says, where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Can you find eternal life anywhere else? Can you find one who loves you and loves your soul anywhere else? You see, the world that's turning away from God, they don't see the relevance. They don't see how important these words are. This Jesus is. If only, if only we could help them see just how great this God of ours truly is and how much his love for them is. But I'm, I'm telling you true facts that people in the world are deceived. And there's a couple kinds of deception. One kind that's kind of comes to them and says, you know, you're good enough without all this God stuff. You're actually kind of good, you know, so don't bother. And the other kind of deception that's like, you're actually so messed up that you shouldn't even bother because you're so messed up. And whichever one of those two ditches somebody falls into, they're not going to church. And so we pray for their soul. We pray for that deception and that lie to be broken in Jesus' name. But I even think, being a Christian myself, I see that same deception sneaking in. Very sneaky. Deception is. And we have to be on our guard against the enemy. This text today from Hebrews, it talks about Jesus' ability to be our high priest. And I want to pray again as we, we open this. Lord, please reveal this truth to our hearts in Jesus' name. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5, uh, verses 1 through 10. This is a really, really great section talking about Jesus and the way that he works with us. 
Hebrews chapter 5. If you have a pew Bible, if you have your phone Bible, however you have your Bible, let's have it open. Hebrews 5. I think it's NIV here. Is that correct? Or is it ESV? Or ESV, okay. I've got the, ES, got the ESV here. Okay. Come prepared. That's what Isaac taught me. All right. Uh, for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward because he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for his own sin, just as he does for those of the people. No one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Amen. Just for a moment, I want you to have in mind the number one objection that comes into your mind and heart when you think about the question, I don't know if God could love me because of this. Because Jesus came to deal with that specifically. I think the enemy would like to come and to keep shame and guilt and cause us to keep our eyes fixed on ourselves instead of this one who paid the price. To keep our eyes fixed on, oh, could God really love me if he knew? And the answer being, yes, he does. And yes, he does know. But why would we be looking here instead of here? In this section, the Bible says that Jesus deals gently with us. Verse 2, the high priest selected from among men deals gently with those going astray. You know, think about somebody who's gentle. I think about mothers and fathers. You know, gentle with their kids. Not to smack them up, you know, just really wanting to, a good parent just wanting to kind of help them as best they can to be guided in the truth. And anyone can be gentle when times are good, but yeah, that kid gets pretty stubborn, and then it's harder to be gentle when they get more and more defiant, right? Not so with God. He is always gentle. He is always patient. He is always hoping for us. Even with vile sinners, even with sinners like us, he is holding out hope. Even at those moments where we felt far from God, even when in those moments where we were the disobedient son or the disobedient daughter, walking in rebellion. He was patient. He was gentle, was he not? He was waiting for us to come to the end of ourself and turn to him. How gentle, how patient God is. And there's people outside the church who do not realize this about God. 
They don't realize his patience towards them. You hear somebody's story and they tell you their story and they're telling, they're unloading, right? They're telling you all the trauma they've been through and all the difficulty, right? You've had this happen, whether you were at the bar or at the restaurant with your friend or wherever you were when you were with your friend at work, start unloading the baggage, right? At that moment, it could be tempting to think along the lines of the lie. Oh, you're pretty far gone, actually. Well, actually, you're pretty good, so... Right? Instead of thinking about God. God was working in your life, friend, even when you were having the worst of days. God was working in your life, friend, even when you went through the worst of pains. That is the truth. God is gentle. The Bible says that it is the kindness of the cross that leads us to repentance. Isn't that remarkable? It is the kindness of God through the cross and even these human high priests, they, they have this weakness. That's what it's saying in verse 1 and 2. It's like, you know, these human high priests, they know how to deal with the people because they're human. And you're human and I'm human, and so I get it, right? Uh, just like when you go to your pastor, Sam, he gets it because he's a human, you know? Jesus became a human so that he could understand humanity for us, so that he could be gentle with us. He is empathizing with our human condition. He understands what it's like to be a human. He understands the com complex spaghetti of a heart and, and the complex spaghetti of a mind. And he knows. He knows how you feel. But there's a difference between sympathy and empathy, and I want to just explain it this way. Okay, sympathy and empathy. All right, sympathy sees a man who has fallen into the pit the man is in the pit, and sympathy says, now, wow, you know, I'm so sorry you fell down there in the pit, and, uh, you know, maybe I'll try to help you out, but let me just, like, lower this rope here for you, and maybe you can help yourself, right? Sympathy. I'm sorry for what happened to you. Okay, versus empathy. Empathy sees a man in the pit, and says, you know what, these stinking pits, they are everywhere. I have fallen into a pit as well before. Ties the rope to himself, repels into the pit, picks up the, the man, lifts him out of the pit. Empathy understands what it's like to fall. And he says, I've been there. Sympathy, on the other hand, says, well, man, sorry you fell there, guy, but should have been watching a little more closely, right? Whereas empathy is, I have fallen myself, and I know the answer. And I'm telling you guys, Jesus is not offering you sympathy. As he is your high priest, he is offering you empathy. He has lived a human life. He understands the weakness that you face. He tied himself to it as he lifted us out of our pit. Hebrews 4.15 We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. So the first point is that Jesus deals gently with us. He understands. He's not unable to sympathize with our weakness. And yet, I want to just move to the application on the gentleness bit before we move on. And, and the, 
It's so important to have gentleness, friends. The, the fruits of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Okay, gentleness is in there, but it's so far at the bottom, like near the bottom of the list that we forget. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. And it's hard to be gentle sometimes with those we love the most, isn't it? Because we've seen them fall into the pit maybe too. And yet what they really need is gentleness, forgiveness, empathy from us. Gentleness even with ourselves, friends. Gentleness with yourself. Um, that can be tough to have, but hearing of this friend who's recovering from surgery, anyone who's been there knows it's tough, toughest maybe to be gentle with yourself. Jude chapter 122 says, Have mercy on those who doubt. Show mercy to others with fear. Have mercy. Show uh, show. Show gentleness in your relationship as we follow Christ. I think that would be the application of his gentleness, even as we appreciate that in our own life. The second point here is Jesus is the humble high priest. Notice that it's, it says in verse 5, he didn't take the honor on himself, right? He, he didn't take on the honor of being this high priest for us. God actually called him to this. Um, any tea drinkers out there? Any appreciators of British culture out there? Maybe that's a better, okay, no, zero. Appreciators, okay, I'm the only one who appreciates. Okay, no, okay. Some of us do, but we just, it's like the Packers. You can't just say that you appreciate the British too loudly, right? Okay, but they have a tea company called, we call it Twinnings, but they call it Twinings, and it's the best tea of England. Did you know that since 1837, the Queen Victoria said, this tea is so good, you are now making it by order of the royal office. It's called a, get this right, a commission? No, royal warrant, warrant. You are now under the commission of the queen to make this tea, which is so good. And since that time, there have been a number of companies that are like, doing these things by order of Her Majesty, right? Cadbury Chocolate, Heinz, Kellogg's, Bacardi Martin, Molten Brown, Clarence, some of these British brands that they kind of boast about this maybe on their packaging a little. But it's an honor, isn't it? It's an honor for the queen to come and taste a cup of tea and be like, that's the best tea in the whole country. I want you to make the tea for the palace. Wow, you know, right? But that's an honor that was bestowed on the company by the royalty. You can't just go in up and say, hey, we have the best tea in England. No, no, no. No, no, no. The queen decides that one. And actually, since the queen died, since then, there's now like 80 companies that are up for like renewing the warrants with the new king. It's like, oh man, that would be pressure, you know? Like, we've had it since 1837. I hope we get it again, you know? Like, that'd be pretty tough. But Jesus in the way that he took this honor. He didn't self-proclaim himself. It says he received it from God. He was appointed by God. He was called by God for this. Isn't that amazing? Verse four, no one takes this honor upon himself, but he receives it when called by God as Aaron was. You know, Aaron was the, maybe the first real priest of the people, and how amazing. Jesus himself was called by God. I, I just want to um, 
encourage you in your humble calling, your humble calling. Maybe it's just working your job. Maybe it's, I heard some discussion before the service about the, the green thumbs of the church and helping out with the, the flowers. Maybe that's your special calling of God, a humble calling. But calling isn't something to take lightly, however humble it is. Now, if you're the tea maker for the queen, or maybe you're just the, the guy who looks out for the church in a really peculiar way, or maybe you're just the local mechanic at the Midas, whatever it is, you have a special gift, special calling that God has for you. The whole high priest thing was a very big honor, and I want to tell you about this honor, the high priest. So you got priests, right, and then you got high priests, and you probably know this, um, but so I'm going to make it short, but on one day per year, Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, the high priest goes into the Holy of Holies to atone for the sins of the people. One time a year, all of the sins of the people brought into the Holy of Holies to be atoned for. But this, the priest had to first, before they could atone for the sins of the people, they had to make sure that their sins were forgiven first. Right? Because the priest is sinful, even as I am a sinful person. Like, a priest was also sinful, and so they, they had to atone for their own sins, and then they could atone for the sins of the people. Guess what happened if they went into the Holy of Holies without atoning for their sin? They would die. And so it was pretty serious. And Jesus was this high priest who had no need to atone for his own sin because he was perfect. That's why this imagery isn't lost on us. You know, it, it, he had the ability to be the perfect high priest uh, on our behalf. When he went and died on the cross, the curtain was torn. But do you know where that curtain was? It was between the Holy of Holies and the innermost place. The inner, inner temple. Tear, tore in two. And, and it's like Jesus, because of his sacrifice on the cross, he tore open the access to God so that you and I could have access to God so that instead of being separated by this thick curtain, we could go to him directly through the Holy Spirit because of the high priest that we have. It's a lot to unpack, and I, I think if I come back another week, I'll probably try to unpack some of that some more because I, I love the book of Hebrews for this reason. But when verse 6, where it says, you are a priest in the order of Melchizedek, that's it's talking about Genesis 14, and this you might have to look that up on your own. Genesis 14, if you want to understand Melchizedek, but this king of righteousness, or you guys call your church king of glory. Yeah, Melchizedek is an interesting guy because his name means king of righteousness, or you could kind of see the connection there, maybe. Uh, verse 7. During Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. There's so much that we could talk about with prayer here, and, and we're really going to have to shorten it down. I, I have lots to say about prayer. Um, but basically, Jesus made peace with God. I might even chop my last point if I have to, just so you can know this. Okay, there's a difference between a prayer and a petition. Notice it says prayer and petition. A prayer is when you go to God and you say, God, I have a need. I have a prayer. That's what the word in Greek means. I have a need. God, help me, please. A petition is a different word in the Greek. It means to hold out an olive branch and to make a supplication or an entreaty, but we don't talk like that anymore. What we talk like is we're going to make things right. We're going to how do you say it when you, two people have been kind of at odds and they're going to 
Somebody help me out. We're going to be cool again? Reconcile. That's a great word. Thank you, Al. We're going to reconcile. And, and so holding an olive branch in the, at the time was like, hey, this is my peace offer. Realize Jesus is the one making the peace offer. Man, is that crazy? He's like going to God and it's not, not just prayers, not just what I need. God, peace. Peace with all men. That is profound. That is incredible. All right, last point. So Jesus is, is gentle. Jesus is our humble high priest. Third, Jesus is the source of eternal salvation. Um, Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Um, Isaiah chapter, um, Isaiah, I'm sorry, the chapter didn't include, but it says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord is, God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. I loved even the passages that Chris had chosen too, really reflecting that same thing. God is the one. He is the only one who can save us. Um, Two more verses here. Hebrews chapter 7, a few chapters later than where we are, it says this. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Wow. Uttermost. The kids these days might say totes. Um, But the absolute maximum, that's what God is able to do. He is able to save you to the uttermost. You might have an objection in your mind. Nope, maybe I can't be saved because of this. Gone. You, maybe this guy is too far gone. Gone. Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. No objections, no buts, no excuses, no sin. Nothing is able to separate us now from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. John chapter 10, last verse. Jesus says this, I give eternal life to them. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. God is the source of your salvation. He is the word of eternal life, and no one can snatch you from his hand. Father, thank you for your words. Your words are truth and life. They encourage us in a place, Lord, that we need so badly. In our hearts, in our souls, and God, there's so much in the world that just seeks to shake us, seeks to cause doubt in our hearts. Lord, we hold fast to your word and your promise. And we thank you that you are the good high priest for us. In Jesus' name, amen.